Good morning. Good evening. Matthew Grant here. Well, the early insure text talked about disruption, but with the hurricanes in the US and flight chaos in Europe this week, I don't think that was quite what they had in mind. So I hope you're staying safe wherever in the world you are. And with some better news, Apollo and Artificial Labs have publicly announced a collaboration that's going to bring together algorithmic underwriting technology with human expertise. Robin Merton's gotten there early and recorded a discussion with James Slaughter from Apollo and David King from Artificial. Now, the initial 12-month pilot is going to focus on four target lines of business, including marine hull and aviation. It's going to be written by Apollo 1969 Syndicate, augmented with the use of Artificial Labs technology. Apollo is a specialist insurer and a reinsurer providing insurance products and services to clients, brokers and capital partners at Lloyd's and across property, casualty, marine, energy and transportation. And Artificial's platform has been developed for insurers that want to trade, follow business algorithmically and offer data ingestion and machine learning abilities to automate underwriting decisions based on an insurer's risk appetite. Well, today is just another example of how we are keeping our ears to the ground to help you understand the technology that can help you discover your partners and get your stories out in the world. You can also find out all you need to know on the website www.instec.co, including how to become one of our corporate members. Now, over to Robin. Hi, everybody. I've got two guests on the podcast today, David King, who's the co-founder and co-CEO of Artificial Labs, and James Slaughter, who's the chief underwriting officer at Apollo Syndicate 1969. Welcome both. Great to be here. Thank you for having us, Robin. Yeah, thanks for having us. Now, you're here together because you've just made an announcement about a, a collaboration, and I'm not the only one who's likely to be intrigued by it. I think both the innovation and uh, mainstream communities alike. Somebody, one of you, James, perhaps give me the headlines. What's going on? Yeah, sure. I guess as a market, we're getting better access to technology. We're able to deliver capacity and choice to key broking partners at speed. And I think that's a watershed moment for Lloyd's. And at Apollo, we're working on a number of work streams that deliver sort of a framework for the future of underwriting, and we call that augmented underwriting. And this collaboration is perhaps the most visible and most exciting outcomes of the work we've been doing. David, anything to add? Oh, I'd echo that. We see it as a collaboration that brings together two companies with a complementary skill set. Apollo are clearly fantastic at what they do and fantastic in areas where we would like to develop further and partner with somebody that are clearly leaders in their area. So yes, uh, very excited to be collaborating with Apollo. So how come the two of you came to collaborate? What was the genesis? Who went to whom? It's a bit of a funny story, Robin. So I guess our paths crossed a number of times in the last two years on a variety of projects. On occasion, I was sort of thinking to myself, I'm not sure why there's a third party in this room. I quite liked the idea that we would, as Artificial Apollo, potentially do something very interesting. And then in Monte Carlo last year, I gave David a call and said, maybe we should do something together. And that's where we've landed. Amazing how much happens in Monte Carlo and amazing how many people have to go from London to Monte Carlo to make these brilliant things happen. I'd like to know a little bit more about what the rationale for the deal is. So, so you're both very enthusiastic about it, but there must be some you know, commercial rationale that underpins this. James, starting with you, tell me what you get from the tie-up that you didn't have before. So it starts with a thesis, which I think we probably share both across both companies, and, and that is that we think 
the London market, Lloyds will bifurcate into clear lead and clear follow capabilities, where leadership is going to be measured by the competencies of the, the underwriter and follow will be measured by speed and efficiency in the delivery of your capacity. So when you think through that thesis on how you develop it, we were looking for someone with the requisite technology capability and the similarity of philosophy and an outlook to the industry. And in artificial, we found our ideal partner because we share that same philosophy, but we're also super excited to be able to bring the best of our human underwriting and the best of their digital capabilities together. And that's the benefit of our collaboration, if you like, that we get the best of human and the best of digital to deliver to our brokers in the market. David, what's the commercial appeal to artificial? I think at the top level, it's matching the best underwriting expertise with the best technology. I don't think we'd, we've ever claimed to know better than someone like Apollo how to price risk, how to operate in this fantastic market. I do think we have said that we're a fantastic set of uh, technology specialists that have built some great technology. So from a, I think from a strategic point of view, matching those together is where we see the value. And underwriting firms have got data experience and access to different data sets, systems, etc., that we as a technology company alone do not have. Uh, so therefore, this collaboration, I think, gives us access to that and uh, hopefully helps us take advantage of the opportunity. Well, that begs the second question, which is, you're known as a tech company, you are a tech company, you provide a, and, and have made a great success of that. Are you now going to put all your commercial eggs in one basket, as it were? Is this the future of your business, or are you going to carry on selling technology to third parties as well? I think that's a great question. And uh, the way that we see it at the moment is in order to, to scale or to do things that have a significant impact, I think you need to be aligned in terms of where you're going, so culturally, vision, etc. And I think you need to partner with a select number of people and go deep with them and go go fast with them. I think if you are selling your software to anybody that rings up and you haven't got the strategic alignment and you're maybe just working with a few people or a team, etc., you're going to struggle to to scale and have that impact that that you can have when you're when you're completely aligned with the partners top to bottom. We are not open for generic for sales to anybody anymore. But we are really looking to partner deeply with people like Apollo. The sum of five years of insurance technology fatigue, does this now appear like a fundamentally smarter option than the option of carrying on selling service by service to lots of people in the way that you were doing before? And I would say if you stay humble and that you need to learn rapidly in whatever you do, we are hopefully learning rapidly the best path to success and scale. And that is not spreading ourselves thin or trying to persuade the entire market to do something or even trying to persuade 10 teams from 10 different firms that are just product-specific teams that this is the path of the future and this is the way we believe that we've learned and this is the best path to success and scale i might be wrong of course we are ambitious and fortunate enough to have backers that are also ambitious that are encouraging us to go down the down a path to success well it's interesting james back to you what types of business are you going to do this is a sort of augmented smart follow what are you going to start with 
So Lloyd's have been very helpful and given some guidance around what they perhaps might be more comfortable seeing in this space. So with that in mind, our focus is going to be short tail specialty classes with limited catastrophe exposure. In our proof of concept, we are working on marine hull and it's essentially the original London market insurance class of business being the oldest of its kind. And we thought, what a great place to start. But there's also some interesting learnings from Marine Hull. It's got a lot of very good data and underwriting team are able to translate that data and their own thought process into very readily codable decision points. And I think if we can succeed in Hull, I think the rest of the classes of business will be a breeze. It's all happening in hell right now. Look, talking about all augmented underwriting, you've got to start with a data set. You've got to train an algorithm so that it can make decisions based around who's worth following, who's not worth following, what types of business work best. Have you done that? Are you doing that? You're looking at a, at a historic book, presumably, and trying to work out what you can learn. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll pass to David for the technical answer but from a, an underwriting point of view part of that collaboration is that we have that rich history historical data and so we're obviously from a technical perspective doing all of that tech and, and learning as we go and it's there just to take what we think is an outcome so you, your hypothesis and then we're testing back around that and trying to learn what where the strengths of signals are coming from in terms of our view of risk and our appetite and what makes a good follow line. David, what's the technical answer to all of that? I think there are two separate points within that, the decision-making process and the parameters based on which you would like to guide the decision-making. And then there's probably the training data, data that you're seeing in a real-time basis, which helps frame that view on an ongoing basis. So the Apollo team have been more than capable of working with the technical teams to codify that preference set and those parameters work on the various integrations and leveraging the systems and the data etc to come up with these kind of portfolio contextualized recommendations and in terms of the data that Apollo have been fantastic in allowing us data for testing what those recommendations are are they in line with the expectations and on on an ongoing basis more and more data is being built up both from those both from that historic data the enrichment and the real-time submissions that flow through so that we can constantly train and improve a model and hopefully get to a place where those recommendations are fantastic robin it's probably worth adding i think in my experience in the industry one of the biggest challenges has been finding that translator that operates between business and technology and and often that's been one of the sort of points of failure in trying to deliver these complex and highly analytical projects what's working really is that on both sides polo and artificial we have people who can understand the business and the technology and so that translation in the middle between the two parties is really very strong and makes for very clear guidance for the technologists and for the underwriters to be able to communicate clearly. The dearth of people who understand and can help in that intersection between technology and insurance is part of the biggest problem we've had, we, which we have at Instech and which many different people share, I think. So you've mentioned a, a POC and it's going well. Assuming it's successful, when do you hope to be open for business? 
So with all the caveats that come with a, a podcast like this, we're working to a timeframe of being live in Q3, early Q3. Our POC has a series of objectives that essentially take hull to market. And then we need to go through all the appropriate approvals. As you know, at Lloyd's, you have the various SBF and risk and, and uh, stakeholder elements to manage, but we're in the process of doing that. So we're looking forward to coming to market in Q- early Q3 with the first of a number of products. Good luck with that. Now, so one of the things that we need to talk about is the level of your ambition that goes successfully. You now launch something in Marine Hull, but where does all this end in terms of sort of GWP? What would you be expecting to write in terms of scale in one, two, three years' time or so? So we're not going to commit to any sort of top-line number targets. What we really want to do is make sure that we can successfully embed a number of classes of business and see the potential scalability. So over the next 12 months, we'll be working towards having a number of classes, probably between three and five, live in the market. I think when we reflect back on why we started this and where do we think the industry could go, I don't think it's a stretch to see up to 50% of London market business in subscription business being placed in some form of digital or direct or algorithmic approach. Ours is very much a smart follow, so we still have a reasonable amount of human interaction embedded into our process. So if you look at Lloyd's at being a sort of $50 billion market over the next few years, potentially up to 50% of that going through these channels feels like an incredibly significant opportunity and one that you probably don't want to miss out on if you're a major player in Lloyd's. Yeah, I agree. David, people are going to say this is just like Key Syndicate. If it's not like Key Syndicate, how do you differentiate yourself from what um, Brit have already done? I think it's a natural question for people to ask and partly because there are not very many technology-focused firms that are trying to to take advantage of technology in the market in in similar ways to Key and ourselves. I wouldn't say that we were entirely different, but we are trying to do things in ways that we think are beneficial to the market. We're very much trying to meet brokers on their journey, wherever they are, and provide benefits to them. So to ensuring that we're fitting into their existing workflow. Brokers can send us submissions simply by sending us a slip or maybe some Excels, emails, that type of thing. And we do the the heavy lifting of taking those data points out of those unstructured documents and putting them through an augmented smart follow underwriting process but we can also work with them and we're we're live doing this with brokers already whereby we provide contract building tools that meet market standards so mrc v3s and cdr data fields and allow those tracks to be tradable so wherever effectively wherever a broker is on this journey we can meet them provide them real benefits and also realizes that data for them so they also get a a data set that they can leverage and use in other ways themselves we're hoping to develop our underwriting technology continually so that is market leading and we believe that one of the reasons that we can do that is because we've invested heavily over the last five years and this is us geeks in us to develop a domain specific programming language which is the real deep tech that allows us to to build better and better tooling over time 
And that means that you probably can't catch up with the proposition that we're delivering in partnership or in collaboration with Apollo on that front. So we're meeting the brokers, providing them fantastic value. And we've got a real, really solid base on which we've built our technology to continue to deliver that outperformance over time. James, anything to add? I think it's also adding that obviously whilst we admire Key from a distance and have no insight into the things they're doing, we are doing it from our own perspective and with our own design considerations. And we've probably set our own set of outcomes that will be different. I think this market is going to evolve quite rapidly. And as with all good markets, there'll be plenty of differentiated views, but we're pretty confident in the criteria by which we're setting ourselves out up for success. Good to see what they're doing. Credit and kudos to Matthew and Mark and the teams that have delivered key very successfully, but we aren't looking at them. We're really focused on how we believe we should deliver and develop it. David, in the light of what you just told me about brokers and developing your proposition around making life easy for the brokers, they presumably would love this. Have you talked to the brokers, the tech-savvy ones like Howden's, presumably pretty well aligned with what you want to do? Yeah, we're very enthusiastic about talking to a number of brokers, ones that we already work with and others to provide them the benefits. Uh, we've got some signed up already. We've got some that we're hoping to work with in the in the short to medium term uh, because we can we don't have to have a kind of a formal technology partnership with a broker to receive submissions from them we're effectively play nicely with everybody but yes in answer to your question we're, we're enthusiastically engaging having those conversations we're already working with a number of them as a software provider i'm not going to pretend it's been 100 percent positive some people have said some things to me like I'm not going to be able to justify the brokerage if the process is really efficient. And uh, I would say that is a that is a barrier that we're going to have to overcome, but that is, that's a barrier that I'm willing to accept. Oh, marvellous stuff. We're still getting that line. James, you've chatted away to the brokers. What have they been saying to you? So there's obviously an imperative from the broker side around the efficiency of their operating models. So at the right level within a business, there's a lot of enthusiasm for this. And some of the broking houses in London are particularly far further advanced on this and they're thinking around it. Some are less so, but are very keen to engage and think about how we can partner with them through the collaboration. Ultimately, I think one of the reasons for us to be excited about where this can go is that there is a real incentive for brokers to have this working for them as well. I think long term there will be questions to be asked like the ones david is wrestling with around the barriers to how the broker model operates where 50 percent of their business is digitized but i don't think those are challenges people shy away from and i think in in the world we work in today i, I sometimes go back to my early days in the 90s in lloyd's and everything was adversarial broker versus underwriter used to have good old punch-ups, old-fashioned punch-ups at the box in the 90s in my youth. Actually, I see much less of that, and I see it much more as a joint venture proposition with brokers to deliver clients the products and services they need. And if part of the service that they need is efficient capacity allocated at speed behind reputable, strong leadership, then I think that's for the, the good of the industry and, and its clients. And so increasingly, 
I think you'll find brokers and underwriters working closely on this kind of project for the benefit of their customer base. And what about your peers? What do you think this will do for other managing agents? Do you think they'll follow suit? It seems to me that the logic in support of businesses like this is very powerful. From our own conversations, we know that quite a few have had a gun and some have got quite far and stopped short before launching. Do you think this will create a certain new set of enthusiasm around this sort of proposition? Look, I think it's difficult to argue the business logic for being a significant participant in a follow digital smart follow space. I have to say, I think we typically see a range of outcomes from winners to losers in in how companies can adapt and adopt to new technologies and new capabilities, new marketplaces. And I would not be surprised if that was not the case here within the Lloyd's framework, certainly. There are some barriers to doing this and data and the technology culture is a really important one. You've got to have the right business culture to challenge yourself, particularly as you think about how underwriters need to adapt and evolve and brokers the same. Having said that, I also think there'll be an opportunity for people to partner with companies that, and excuse the expression, lead in the follow space. So I think you'll find companies that make strong advances in this space will set a precedent that others will want to follow. And the Lloyd's market allows for consortia and other partnership arrangements that I think will be very powerful in delivering this at at scale across the industry. Interesting. Can I touch on that cultural thing a little bit? Did you encounter any cultural resistance at your end? Did Did everyone go along with it? Or did you get a bit of that kind of, I see where this all ends and bots are going to come and take my job, that kind of thing? I think it's inevitable in human businesses that the initial response is at the more negative end. I think it's fair to say we picked Hull because our senior Hull underwriter is very experienced, very well-regarded leader in his specialities. And he's perhaps one of the few individuals to come and tap me on the shoulder and say, oi, what's all this about? Come on, you've got to convince me. And I don't shy away from a challenge. So I asked him to help with that, building that story and building out the experience. And he's been fantastic. So firstly, he really is very positive about it. And he was quick to overcome the, I'm going to be replaced. And one of the fundamental design criteria that we're using in our smart follow collaboration project here is that we use the expression augmented underwriting. You don't replace human intervention full stop in this process. There is still a considerable amount of human engagement because there are elements to our portfolio of risks that require a significant human input. I think the skill sets will definitely be different. And one of the super exciting things for me as a senior underwriter these days is looking and watching and listening to the conversations our younger underwriters are having. And whilst they want to learn and and build their capability as, as experts in their field, they're also extremely curious about how they could exploit their skills and talents in slightly different ways. And it's feasible that in a smart follow case, they're writing bigger portfolios 
earlier in their career with more significant financial rewards that go with that because the skill sets and capabilities and competencies I think we'll be looking for to manage these kinds of portfolios will be very different. And so there's a lot of buzz around our project and that's across the spectrum from the wise old owl all the way down to the young, excited and enthusiastic new joiner. Thanks. The last question, David, I'm going to come back to you, is follow the limit of your ambitions. Can you, from the technology point of view, push on and do lead business, do you think? Is that part of what you're thinking? I don't think that's an active goal of the collaboration right now, but the technology isn't smart follow technology. It's augmented underwriting technology. And we're fortunate enough that uh, I think the benefits across the board have been seen by the, the teams that are working on it. And it's great point of discussion that the underwriters have seen the efficiency gains and the the improvements to the data and how it's presented to them in order to to, for them to frame their decision and a lot of the heavy lifting that it's done. I think to parrot some of the things that James, I've heard James say previously is that, that in effect the only real difference is the point at which the tools and the underwriters engage with the risks. There are clearly huge opportunities to extend the, the digital capabilities to, to different places, but we need to do that together. Look, thank you both for coming on to the Instep podcast to tell us all about your plans. I wish you the best of luck in these last few stages with your regulatory requirements and the, seeing the POC through to a successful conclusion. And when you launch and make a big noise officially, come and tell us all about it. We'd be delighted to have you back. Thank you both very much. Thank you, Robin. Thanks. Look forward to updating you soon. 